Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to have a conversation around some of the outdated thinking um, and maybe uh, historical um, binds that might be uh, exacerbating the talent gap, keeping us from uh, moving forward um, in field service uh, the way that we could or should. Um, so I'm excited to welcome today to the podcast for that conversation, Anthony Billups. Um, Anthony is uh, the North American Vice President of Sales and Market Development at Comfort Systems USA. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So before we get into it all, um, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, man, Anthony Billups, uh, born and raised out of New York City. Um Went to school up in Boston, studied uh, engineering, electrical engineering and mathematics. Uh, went to grad school, Arizona State University for a degree in um, applied math and statistics. Uh, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I was always really good in math, obviously, as well as um, people interaction. So um, knew I wanted to work in corporate America, but wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, sold at a lot of different levels, you know, in high school, I sold sneakers, uh, I sold, um, I sold cars in college. I sold, um, I sold houses, you know, when I first graduated. So, uh, I was always really good at sales and I wanted to figure out a way to merge sales with the technical background that I had and I had an opportunity to join the HVAC industry roughly 16, 17 years ago. And uh, it's been amazing. You know, I've always loved buildings. I've always loved um, technology and downtowns, obviously being from New York City uh, and everywhere I travel, I'm like, take me downtown, you know, so I can see the buildings and mm -hmm. see what it looks like. And even as a young age, I remember traveling with my family um, and always wanting to see downtown, wanted mm -hmm. to see what whatever city had to offer. So it makes sense now you know, years later that I'm in a construction and, and buildings uh, and services industry. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, just a quick aside. So uh, I'm I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania, which um, I would be shocked if you've ever been. Uh, it's, it's not really a destination per se. It's a small city, though, right? And we just took our sons who are newly eight and uh, six and a half um, to New York for the first time the weekend before last. Nice. I love New York. Love it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know people that aren't from New York. You either have pe people love, love, love it or it's not for them. You know what I mean? Like I'm the former. Um, but I didn't know how they would react because they've never seen a city that big. You know what I mean? Uh <laughs> And uh, we had so much fun. They loved it. Um, they got to see a cockroach and a rat. So I felt like we gave them the oh, real, man. the real experience. <laughs> and you'll find this funny because you're you're a native. So we were um, on our way to Brooklyn when we were getting on the subway, and we saw the rat, you know, and down on the tracks. Um, yeah. And my kids also love animals, right? So we get in the train, and we're sitting there, and um, my son goes, "Mommy." I sure hope that rat's okay. And everyone looked at him like, what? You know? Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. So funny. The rat's definitely so, okay. Yeah. I'm like, no, what, honey, he's okay. under the tracks. Like he, the train yeah. didn't run him over. He's, he's, yeah, yeah he's fine. He's doing his thing. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. So here's one question um, I thought of as you were talking about, you know, your, uh, some of the things you did when you were young and through school, et cetera, and then getting into, um, the HVAC space about 16, 17 years ago. How did that initially come about? And like the what I'm really curious about, because it's gonna lend into our conversation we're about to have, is when that you know entry into this industry first happened, what was your perception then of what the HVAC HVAC industry or field service space were? Yeah, no, great question. Um, so I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I had a buddy of mine that was, it's always our friends, right? A buddy of mine that was uh, working in the elevator industry. So he worked for Otis Elevators. Um, he had done his co-ops and, and summer internships at Otis Elevators and had gone back um, to do that throughout school. So I saw what he was doing as a as a sales uh, engineer and his ability to connect with customers. I remember um, he took me to a game, you know, we went to a game with one of his customers, uh, Nick's game. And I was just like, man, that's, 
you get paid to to take customers out and to engage. And even while at school, he had phone numbers of technicians and customers and people would reach out to him. And just that ability to, to apply the technical with the personal, I was like, man, that's like a dream job. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you get paid to do this just seems weird, right? It seems like it's fun. So for me, it was more about how can I utilize my skills mm-hmm. in an industry and or um, profession that I knew nothing of, right? There's mm-hmm. not a lot of conversation at the college level or high school level talking about sales engineering, mm-hmm. right? You know, you think about all the different type of engineers that are out there. Most of the time, they don't talk about sales engineering. Right. So this idea to get a sales, um, to get an engineering base salary, but also get commission from what you sell. So it mm-hmm. was like the best of both worlds. So for me, it I wanted to work in elevators because I I just assumed that was that was that was where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I was at a conference recruiting. There was a bunch of companies there. I had an offer from Boeing um, to work as a systems engineer, and I I had other opportunities that I was exploring. But I knew I wanted to be a sales engineer. So uh, at the time, Otis wasn't hiring. Um, United Technologies had owned Otis and both Carrier, Willis Carrier invented air conditioning. Um, a guy by the name of Doug Wiggins, he convinced me that air conditioning was cooler than elevators and the rest <laughs> was history. So that's how I ended up in the HVAC space, heating, ventilation, mm-hmm. air conditioning versus the elevator space. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting to me because, you know, so, so one thing I want to point out too is in this conversation, you know, you're in a sales role. But what we're talking about really applies also to service technicians, right? And service sales, really the industry as industries as a whole um, that make up sort of field service that are lesser known that, you know, people, like you said, are, they're not talked about as much in high school or in college. People don't, you know, when you're when you're in elementary school and people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? you know, they might not say, usually don't say HVAC field service, right? They're saying, I want to be a teacher. I want to be the things that are visible to them, right? So um, I I meant to look before we recorded this today, but years and years ago, when I was still with Field Technologies Magazine, I I wrote an article um, that you know, field service has a branding problem, right? And uh, I've done some follow up on that since and and I can share that with this podcast. But, you know, when we everyone today is talking about the talent gap, right? Um, And I think, you know, there's a lot of different layers to what that challenge consists of, and what the potential solutions are, right? But one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, this idea of that branding problem, that these opportunities, these careers are not ones that kids grow up knowing, Um, being able, I I think even for folks that work in the industry, sometimes it's hard to articulate uh, what the industry is, what the role is, you know, I know, even for me, like, when someone says, what do you do? I'm just like, it's hard to explain, (laughs) you know what I mean? It, It can be really hard to come up with a uh, with a, a easy pitch or what have you. Um, so what are your thoughts on that aspect of it? Like, you know, I, I know when you and I connected to talk about doing this podcast, one of the points you made that I really love that I think correlates is how do we create more excitement around the mm-hmm. trades? Um, so why, why do you feel creating excitement is an important aspect of this? And then what are your thoughts on how we might do that? Yeah, I think the first part on excitement is is bringing awareness, right? So I had made the comment that I, I didn't know anything about, call it sales engineering. So I think when you have these exciting careers and and these professions, it's important as a leader to to go back into your community and to talk about what it is that you do, right? Talk about kind of what is your day in the life. Talk about the things that that made you excited about the role, right? I travel all of the time for the role, right? And it's tough from a family dynamic, but personally, I love the ability to be in different places, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who loves um, architecture and buildings and cities, and I don't want to see the same city all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to explore and see different things and how it's built um, and, and be a part of that build. So I think... Um, 
communicating and 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 being able to share what it is that you do is important because you know what do kids see growing up they see what's on television they see what's in the movies right the generic i want to be a lawyer a doctor you know uh, maybe you'll hear a couple engineer architect conversations um but for the most part it's you know i want to be a celebrity i want to be uh you know an influencer on instagram and you know an entrepreneur and all of these other things that are now bubbling up but mm-hmm. the reason behind it is cuz that's what people see mm-hmm. it correlates to if you're someone who grows up without money then no matter what you pick you want to pick something where you're going to make the money to do the things that you really want to do in life mm-hmm. right and i think that's an important piece that you have to hone in on right i i do very well from a financial perspective because it's a career that others are just not flooding to be a part of. So Mm -hmm. what that does is it not only creates an opportunity for me, um, but it also gives me a chance to to be promoted, to be a leader, to Mm -hmm. run businesses, you know? Uh, So when you have that success, um, it allows you to to take that route. And Mm -hmm. and I think that's what's excited me the most about the industry is, you know, it's it's an old industry, right? Willis Carrier invented air conditioning over 100 years ago, 120 years ago. So, you know, this industry is being around forever. So the people that are in it are are closer to retirement. We got a lot of baby boomers that are getting ready to retire. So an an emerging industry that will always be around, right? Air conditioning, especially when you think about technology and all the things that are coming, you know, that is you're going to need to cool those spaces. You're going to need to have control of those spaces. So this industry will always be around. Mm -hmm. So so for me, when I go and talk about it, I talk about thinking about emerging industries that will will continue to be around forever. Mm -hmm. It was around for 100 plus years for a reason, and it will continue to be around. So um, that's important when selecting a career. It's not just the new fad that someone wants to do, it will be around. Um, and then that's how you start to sell it because you talk about careers, not just jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another piece that um, doesn't get talked about enough, right? Let's talk yeah. about what does your career look like in, in a services industry, in the trades, whether it's a technician and what is that roadmap or whether it's on the sales and business side and running operations, running the full business and, and leading that business, what does that look like? And, mm-hmm. and here goes a roadmap. So mm-hmm. I think that's a piece of it as well. Yeah. What's interesting to me is I really liked that you used the word excitement. And I agree part of it is awareness, but I think I think there's more to it than that. And I think you kind of intuitively understand that because you're in sales, right? But I think one of the challenges as an industry, and I'm talking about field service industries overall, right? Maybe we have recognized that we need to create more awareness, but I don't think we're storytelling. I don't think we're selling it. I don't think, you know, when kids are learning about what a doctor does or what a teacher does, you know, no one is in the background pointing out all of the uh, cons, right? Like they're leading from the front of you can help people, you can, you know, uh, make people feel better, you can teach people, right? So I think one of the the challenges we have is and, and also when you talked about how you got into uh, HVAC and, and uh, through your friend at Otis, I think one of the things is, um, as a whole, we're not doing a good job amplifying the positives. We're not doing a good job getting creative about how to articulate the things that will draw people in. We're focused on either regurgitating um, the job descriptions we've been using, or we're uh, focused on, you know, giving a list of requirements, not giving a list of of opportunities or incentives or, you know, sharing those stories that will get people excited about, hmm, I want to look more into this, right? Um, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. But, uh, you know, I, I think awareness is part of it. But what exactly we're creating awareness of I think is really important for companies to be thinking about because we know that the traditional method of putting out an open job and expecting people with experience is just not going to work. Mm -hmm. So 
we need to create more interest in order to create excitement. And we need to do that by selling it better, by creating that brand story, yeah. right? And then figuring out how we um, align the right skills to the right jobs. Do you know what I mean? So Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and when I, when I talk at different schools um, and whenever I get an opportunity to be a part of a podcast, um, and, and, and communicate, because that's a way for us to tell the story, right, and get things out there. Um, it One of the things that I say is, you know, so what are some of the some of the some of the jobs that are cool? Right. What, what, what do people want now? Right. People want to go work at Apple. People want to work for Google. They want to work for for Meta. They want to work, you know, with TikTok. They want to whatever you're using. That's what you want to go be a part of because you see that as being fun and innovative and the future. You want to be a part of that. So what I do is I say, think about what it means to work for Apple. Right. First off, think about how competitive and I'm not talking about working at the Apple store. Right. I'm talking about going to work in the Bay Area or at one of the facilities helping design and build and whatever it is that you want to do to be a part of that marketing, whatever it may be. Everybody wants to go there. So the amount of competition to get in to to these places and whatever you define these places, right? It could be uh, uh, an athlete. It could be sports and entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Think about the competition that wants to go there and how many people want to be a part of that and how, how small of the number that make it through. Mm -hmm. And then what I say is from a, from a services perspective, from an heating, ventilation, and air conditioning perspective, I've done work with Apple, mm -hmm. right? I don't think I'm allowed to talk about that, but I've done work with, you know, these Silicon Valley companies, mm -hmm. these industries, you know, I've sat in meetings with their strategic growth, you know, individuals focused on carbon reduction and focused mm -hmm. on, you know, better ways to, to build their facilities. And I walked in through the back door. I walked in through the mechanical room, mm -hmm. right? I sold at a level. Now I'm managing and leading at another level. I run the whole business, but now I have teams of people that are there, mm -hmm. right? And in my book of contacts, I have these industries, mm -hmm. these folks that I work with. One of the biggest projects that I was a part of was a large stadium, you know, the Ram Stadium out on the West Coast, you know, in L.A., Right. I was on that project. So, yes, when I grew up, when I was younger, I wanted to be in the NBA and then I stopped growing. So I'm five, nine and a half. <laughs> and and I wasn't going to the NBA. It wasn't happening. Right. My game just didn't translate, uh, you know, well. So now I have to come up with another dream. Right. And but I had a chance to, to work on stadiums and arenas. So with the love that I have for that, mm -hmm. I was able to find that through the services industry, through heating and ventilation and air conditioning, mm -hmm. through controls, and now I'm in those buildings. So that's yeah. what I talk about to sell, because again, it's easier to get in through the mechanical room than it is through the front door. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when we want to change the narrative mm -hmm. of, of the profession, we need to start with the end in mind. We need to start where these individuals want to be a part of these industries that they mm -hmm. want to be a part of. And, you know, if you flash comfort systems, USA, you know, people might not know what that is, right? I have people sometimes that say you work for a pillow company, right? You know, they don't know. But if I, if I talk about the customers that I serve mm -hmm. right, and the people that we work with and the things we're able to deliver, Right now, people understand and they recognize. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the services and the trade industry goes wrong is because we focus on the task and the things we do and not the customers we serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we also talked about, you know, what I mentioned earlier, which is this historical norm is you have an open role, you post job description, you require X years of experience. And people apply and you pick the best candidate. I mean, that's uh, an obsolete model at this point, right? Big so time. you had mentioned, you know, what we need to do is focus more on finding talent and then fitting roles around individuals versus wedging them into open positions. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and also like how realistic do you feel that is for the space we're in? 
I think it's very realistic. You got to start to realize that um, the younger generation, number one, the younger generation is not going to come into a position and do it for five years. Those days are over. Mm -hmm. They're over. Right. I'm a grandpa millennial. I was born in 1981. So, you know, I, I haven't been in the same role for five years. Right. Mm -hmm. 18 to 24 months. I'm ready to do something else. Right. I'm ready for that next level, that next role, the next opportunity to the next challenge. So individuals my age and younger, you know, that's the mindset. They mm -hmm. they the attention span, the ability to master something at a quicker pace based how we leverage technology is completely different. Right. So you have to build a, a, a path that mm -hmm. is non-traditional. And it sucks because now individuals my age and older. Right. We have to think about doing things differently than when we started. Right. What was important to us. And I remember managers, you know, when I left the, my first company in the industry, I loved it. It was my favorite place in the world. Some of my closest friends in the industry are, are were there. Right. I'm in New York City working where I grew up um, uh, and, and have an amazing team. And the reason I left is because I looked around that group and said, I am at least 10 to 15 years away from maybe being a manager, mm -hmm. right? Based on the team that the dynamic and the way things were there, I'm at an event recruiting for, um, for at the time, another company, right? I'm recruiting for the company I'm a part of and my passion, I'm talking to other salespeople and a competitor sees my energy, sees my passion and says, what is it going to take to get you to come over with us? And I said, just make me a manager, right? I was vulnerable because I knew I was ready. I had managers that were good, but I knew I can do that. I was mm -hmm. succeeding as an individual contributor, but I was ready to be a manager, right? And I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have mm -hmm. a, oh, in the next few months, in the next year, you'll be here. And hey, Higgles, another opportunity. You could go live in this state you know, and be a manager here. That wasn't the conversation. I had no clue what that looked like. And when I said it, I was 29 years old, right? And I'm mm -hmm. thinking there's no way that somebody's going to make me a manager in this industry when I look around and every other manager, A, doesn't look like me. It's another conversation for mm -hmm. another day, another podcast. Happy um, to have it though. <laughs> and <laughs> then, and then, you know, the age, right? So mm -hmm. I was like, this is not, I'll just throw it out there and you don't get something if you don't ask for it. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I said that and the, the manager, you know, the, the director of sales for this company, he laughed and he said, is that all you want? The way you talk to other, uh, uh, way you're recruiting, the way you're promoting to get people to come, the way you're giving this energy about what you do and the same energy I give you today was the same energy I was given trying to recruit people into mm -hmm. the industry. He's like, you ready to be a manager. And then it was like, where do you want to be? I got an opportunity here. I got an opportunity there. And and it was eye-opening to me because another company saw the, the readiness for me to be a manager mm -hmm. rather than my own company. Mm -hmm. So I think when we go back to your comment about how does it work, I think what we have to do is start, you know, for example, in the NBA, if anyone is a sports fan, nowadays there's positionless basketball. And what that means is that in the old days, there used to be a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward in the center, mm -hmm. right? And you had these different positions on the court and, and your center was normally the biggest guy on the court. So you think you're Shaquille O'Neal and, and your point guard was your Isaiah Thomas or your Allen Iverson, you know, that was your point guard, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and it was like, you know, these, these positions and you got to play these roles. Now there's positionless basketball. Now, when when people are building teams, they draft and they go grab the best possible talent mm -hmm. and then they build their winning strategy. They build their 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 plays around the players that they have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's working in the NBA for teams. And that is how I think we as as industries and corporations and companies, that's how we need to look. Mm -hmm. So let's start posting um, opportunities about the traits you're looking for, mm -hmm. the, the teams that you have and the team that they will fit in and the things that you're looking for there. Let's also look at this years of experience area, right? Because somebody may not have an official role in, in mm -hmm. that. And some people don't have the confidence to still apply. 
So you're missing out on candidates because they're reading something and saying, ah, this is pointless. And half mm-hmm. the time, large companies are using bots to filter resumes based on certain parameters and buzzwords, right? So you're not even talking to the best candidates. Mm-hmm. You're not, right? Let's just let's just throw that out there. You're yeah. missing people that are not even applying or who've applied, but you, based on however you're filtering, you're not even seeing them. So let's focus more on the characteristics and the talent and the things that you're looking for to be a part of your team, this mindset of positionless, you know, recruiting and then build around that. And then when someone comes into the fold, right, if someone meets a Sarah or an Anthony and they say, man, I want this person at my company, then you start to mold and build what that person's career will be. What are the mm-hmm. things you want to do? What's important to you? What verticals do you want to be a part of? How do you want to approach this? And then build around that. And then as you, you you can recruit that way, build your team. And then maybe there's, man, I'm missing. I got one spot I'm missing. Mm-hmm. This is This is something I'm missing. So now you can now look for some of these areas. But again, it's about the 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 qualities that the person is bringing mm-hmm. the experiences that the person is bringing and not just where they worked at before and right. the things that we looked at you know prior when evaluating talent yeah no i think that's a good point and you know i have empathy for leaders uh and businesses in the sense that you know the way it was um was easy and convenient you know when you could hire service technicians that would stay in a role for 5 10 15 20 plus years you know that made everyone's lives very simple um and it's hard to change right we know that but the reality is the you know the same way that person at that recruiting event recognized your energy and welcomed it and made a space for it. If you don't do that with the talent in your own company, someone else will, right? So the idea of the way it, the way it was the good old days, um, you know, I think there's still some hanging on to that. Maybe not fully, right? Like there's progress, but it's slow progress in understanding like this isn't going to change. We need to adapt. And adapting means really recreating the whole thing from the ground up because it isn't just, oh, we should reword this or we should train people this way. I mean, it's fundamentally revamping the whole, you know, uh, talent strategy, hiring, recruiting and hiring process, and also retention, you know, to that point, like, those individuals uh, in your companies, on your teams that have that energy, have that drive, have that passion, you either give them an outlet for it or they will find that outlet somewhere else, you know? So and they're getting, they're getting, I mean, they're getting the money that's being thrown out there, right? And, and the opportunities that are there. If you look at some of, some of these, some of these services industries, technology is is really enhancing the industry so mm-hmm. there's so much venture capitalist money that's coming into these industries so these startup companies and, and other groups have the money to go and buy the talent mm-hmm. and they don't want the 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 old regime they they want the new energy the new regime so if mm-hmm. you got somebody that's a, an amazing talent and you're holding them back Right. And then they get an opportunity to double or triple their their earnings potential and their salary. It becomes a no brainer. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's too late. Yeah. At that point, you haven't built the roadmap for this. Even if you build a roadmap, you still may lose them. Mm -hmm. Right. If they don't see that vision. Right. So it's important. And, And when I made the comment about, you know, 18 to 24 months, there may be some that cringe right at that. Right. Think about how you read a resume, right? Mm-hmm. So to your listeners of, 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 you know, your network of folks that, that join in for your, for your podcast, you know, think about how you re- view resumes, right? Mm-hmm. What is your unconscious bias? What mm-hmm. are the things, you know, and I've, I'm sure you've said it, right? You look at a resume and say, oh, this person jumps around. This person is not loyal. This person hasn't stayed, you know, with the company for longer than two years. So think about it, not that, the person is doing something wrong. Think about the company didn't 
master, because if somebody moves around within the company to a different role, that's something to be said versus going to a completely different company. But but I think everyone has a story and yeah. that's changing, right? So, Even then, it's just sort of an outdated uh you know, standard, right? Like it's, it's, it's an outdated measurement to look at. Same thing with women that have gaps in their resume. Yeah. You know, just because someone was successful in the corporate world, took one, two, five years off to raise children or do whatever she's doing and now wants to re-enter that knowledge, perspective, experience is not, it's not erased, right? So it's, the the gaps or people i mean people are taking time off to you know uh, not just women anyone right to travel travel to take a break for their mental health to you know what i mean so it's things like that that are really outdated norms you know Mm -hmm. you're right though i mean depending on who's looking at the resume and how modern their perspective is you know what i mean like you could be missing out on a lot of uh things You brought up money, though, and I also want to touch on one of the points we talked about is understanding what today's talent values, okay? And I do think it's important to say it isn't just money, right? And this is a a common thing. So I hear people a lot. I was um, in uh, the UK for our Future Field Service event in May, and we were having a roundtable discussion on talent. And there was this guy there that was saying, you know, I'm just really frustrated because um, I keep having, I bring technicians on, I spend all this money to onboard and and train them, and then they leave to go make, you know, whatever, an incremental more amount of money somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I said, well, okay. and he was, you know, an older white guy, like a lot of people at the events are. And um, I challenged him a little bit and said, you know, I, I highly doubt that they're leaving only because of the money. Like, it's easy to use that as the excuse. Okay, like it's real. And I'm not saying some people don't do it. But I'm saying, if it's an incremental amount of money, and you're providing a really good employee experience and company culture and working environment, they wouldn't mass amounts of people would not be leaving for an incremental amount of money. So I just think sometimes it's easy to use that as an excuse to not do a lot of the other things that are important to new hires today, right? Like, also, same thing I said, like, they take work, they take effort, they take change, right? So what are some of the things you see in terms of, you know, beyond fair pay? Mm-hmm. What do you think people value most today? I think for one, you know, we've heard this, uh, you know, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that manager employee relationship is extremely important. Right. What type of development conversations are you ha- having? Um, you know, where where does this individual see the future of their career? Do they think that they can learn, right? The the role that I'm in now, um, I somewhat took a step back to kind of go back into the, the sales leadership area when I was leading both sides of the business, both sales and operations and full general management, right? And from a career trajectory, that's really where I want to be. But the opportunity to come work for the manager that that I'm working for and the mentor that I have, it's a no brainer for me to take a step back and learn underneath that umbrella. It's something that made sense for me because I know that's going to help me in my career as I move forward. So I think that manager um, employee relationship is extremely important. And and what does that individual bring? I struggled early in my career with having managers that um, I didn't feel I can learn anything from Mm -hmm. or having managers that I felt like um, didn't even know what they was talking about. They were promoted because of relationships or other reasons or whatever. And I look at them and I'm like, this is not the way to manage. Right. Mm -hmm. I, you know, have done a lot of training and we conduct training around building leaders, Mm -hmm. not just managers. Right. And the leader and the manager are completely different. So I think that dynamic 
is the first layer. Um, I think next it's about understanding the whole person, right? Do you really want to focus on the eight hour employee or do you want to focus on the 24 hour person? And I think where you have leaders that focus on the 24 hour person and make that a part of it, they understand that because you can always go and get an extra 50 cents if you're a technician, right? An extra Mm -hmm. dollar, an extra whatever. It's out there and you can play that game. You can go from place to place and go get an extra, you know, 50 cents, an extra dollar. But at some point, right, you are where you are. At some point, you have to deliver on the task at hand and, and then you have life that happens, right? And how does that company participate in the life element of what you have going on Mm -hmm. so you know i think uh when you when you have a leader that's focused around development and continuously communicating to their team uh, about that because you know the money will come don't get me wrong people are not running around accepting opportunities for less money all of the time because they want to go work at a place right i mean money does play a factor in it um but it's bigger than that, in my opinion. And I think it's centered around development and, and what does tomorrow look like versus mm-hmm. just today. Yeah, I really like that point about the 24 hour person. I also think, you know, the first point you brought up about leaders and the leader and employee relationship is important because in service, you know, it's very common for leaders to just not just to be people that have progressed through the ranks. Okay. But not everyone that is a strong individual contributor makes a good leader. And so when we use that progression as a reward system just for good performance versus evaluating people's actual ability to lead, we risk putting leaders in place that aren't really good at that job. It doesn't mean they're not good employees. doesn't mean they don't have a valuable contribution. It just means that they might be lacking what talent demands of a leader today, which again, based on everything we've talked about, does look different than it did 10, 15, 20 years ago, where that command and control type environment, where it was all more here, here's your role, you do this, check a box, you know, that sort of thing. It wasn't so much, you know, getting to know people, helping develop people, mentoring, um, communicating, empathy, emotional intelligence, you know, not everyone is cut out for that, right? And we need to understand that and make sure that we aren't promoting people into those positions that might be great people and or, you know, strong performers, but aren't built for that job. Certainly not doing it just because of the relationship, right? Which also Mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, even when we are putting people in those positions that are capable, you know, how are we as organizations providing ongoing learning and development to the leaders as well? You know, I mean, we think a lot about how we do that with employees coming in, but leadership deserves, you know, training and um, investment in their skills as well. Absolutely. A big part of my role today is is centered around that, right? I, I lead up our training program for our uh, salespeople as well as our, our leaders, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason that we, we really focus a lot of attention there is that we understand the value of our leaders. And if you can teach a leader to not be a manager, but to be a leader and, and to learn. And a lot of times to your point, you're really good at something. And then people put you in this people manager role, but you haven't been given the skills. When you start managing people, sometimes it may feel like you're a principal at a high school, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the personalities and the things that happen and you can't put this person with that person and you end up dealing with that. And I mean, if you haven't gone through a conversation about, you know, crucial conversations and and how to handle those and how to approach those. If you don't understand the individuals that you're managing and maybe some of the things that they struggle with, you may have a really strong individual performer, but they struggle with their own confidence. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know that and you don't know how to feed their confidence to help them be better in their role, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And if you've never been taught about that, then where are you supposed to learn that from? Mm -hmm. So I think 
developing and focusing on leaders is absolutely a part to grow and, and build your business. And to your point, right, some of the best players are some of the worst coaches, you know, and even evaluators of talent because they're looking for people that are like them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you are just a unicorn in the way you prep and the way you focus and the way you work. I mean, I've worked with some people where, man, they dedicate, you know, 16 hours to what they do and they're amazing at it, but not everybody is going to devote that time to, to get done, right? 16 hours a day to, 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 to complete the task, right? Mm-hmm. There's some people that's not going to do that. There's some people that are going to put in their eight hours, their six mm-hmm. hours, whatever it may be. And they're going to give you the best that they can during that period of time. So does that mean that that's a bad employee? No, that just means that that person is different and you got to figure out how to coach that person to maximize and get the most out of them. It's mm-hmm. not about the hours that you work. It's about what you do with the time and and, and the things that need to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where we get it wrong, where we pick these great performers and then not not sure why things don't work out or why mm-hmm. their team doesn't 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 flourish like the way they flourish. Mm-hmm. They're teaching people to do things the way they do it. Right. And that might not work. And, yeah. and that's a part of, of leadership. And in my opinion, you know, higher upper management making the right executive decisions on, you know, how to really build the team. Mm-hmm. The other thing we talked about in terms of leadership is the need to focus more on motivating and empowering today's talent. Um, So can you talk about what does that look like to you and how is that different than what leaders have historically done or focused on? Yeah, I think it goes back to the 24 hour person. I Mm -hmm. think if you're helping people develop, you know, a lot of our training is centered around um, helping people be better individuals, right? Some of the stuff that we do uh, can help you be better at home, right? And your interactions with with your family and your Do you have spouse. any examples? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we teach um, we teach a thing called Sandler selling. And essentially what it is, is it, it's a process, a selling process for when you have a meeting. Mm-hmm. And the big part of that is, you know, kicks off with bonding and rapport so that you're building that relationship with anyone that you're interacting with so that you can now feed back into things when stuff when things get tough you can feed on that right and this is for both internal and external relationships mm-hmm. the next part of that is an upfront contract and the upfront contract component is you know i'm going to tell you what we're going to what we're going to talk about today and think about how that can help you with your family right if you put it out there that, hey, this is the focus. This is what we want to get accomplished. What would you like to get accomplished? How would you like to approach this weekend? How would you like to approach, you know, this task? How would you like to approach this holiday? So if you put this upfront contract, so now we're able to talk about what we're trying to accomplish, you know, and not have meetings without that, you know, those are just some of the things that we teach. So Mm -hmm. yes, it's extremely helpful for your customer. It's extremely helpful for your internal meetings. It's also helpful when you're building with your family. Mm-hmm. Next, you know, another part of it is, is really uncovering pain. If you're a salesperson and you're trying to sell something, no one wants to buy from someone who is over the top selling, mm-hmm. right? If I sit here, you know, and I'm trying to sell you this phone and it, it's just like, I'm over the top and I'm like, oh, you need this. What phone you got? I hate that. When you walk through the mall and I'm like, oh, what service do you have? I'm like, listen, bro, I am not here for a <laughs> cell phone. I don't have the time. I don't care if you give me seven phones for free. I'm walking away. So no one wants to buy from that person. So then we talk about, you know, uncovering pain and real pain, not just the pain from, you know, surface pain, right? Mm -hmm. A pain indicator, right? Oh, some piece of equipment broke. That's a pain indicator. How does that piece of equipment that broke impact you personally? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I have to, you know, I have to come in on the weekends and I missed my daughter's a softball game because I had to come in because we have a big event, you know, so now I'm getting down to the personal pain and how it impacts you. And it it allows you to ask better questions, to listen more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then those are the type of things we teach our salespeople, teach our leaders, and then that can help them be a better person. Mm -hmm. So to me, those type of things from a development perspective are extremely important as we think about um, our interactions with people that we come across every day. And I think, you know, this is also parallels what I'm hearing more and more of. um, And I mean, have been for years, but I think, again, 
the reason we keep talking about some of the same themes we've been talking about for a few years is, you know, there's layers of change that companies still need to make, right? So I was saying, what you're talking about, I, I think parallels what we're seeing in service, which is, you know, a recognition that we need to provide a lot more soft skills training and communication and um, empathy and and things like that. And I think, you know, understanding the root of the value in that, you know, um, is important because it's not a checkbox exercise. It's not something you can send out a, a soft skills video for people to watch once a year and expect it to have any impact, you know, but again, this is what I mean. Like it's, you know, there's this, okay, do we really have to do that? I don't want to. Okay. Yes, we do. Let's just do this online thing. Right. Like it's, but what are we really talking about? Like, we're really talking about the 24 hour person. We're talking about caring about the people that we employ and wanting them to be better, be fulfilled, you know, et cetera. So I think those are good examples because it's, you know, not looking at it in the sense of, you know, how can these um, folks get out and sell harder and better and faster? It's how can we provide them skills that are going to help them in all areas of their life, including their role at Comfort Systems, you know? And there's a lot of really good individuals out there that are that are doing things. I'll give a shout out to uh, someone that I know is out there doing it, um, gentleman by the name of Mark Martinez, um, you know, recently wrote a book and, and he talks about, you know, finding, you know, teaching people how to hit their grand slam and, and mm -hmm. what does that really mean? And he talks about, you know, living your dash, right? That, that dash in between when you were born and when you leave and what does that really mean fulfilling that? So mm -hmm. he does this type of training and he works with companies and individuals and churches and, and, and everyone, cause he's so passionate about it. But I love that because we need more companies looking for people like Mark to come in and do those type of trainings because that's not just a check the box. Yeah, that's that's looking at the 24 hour person. And now that's feeding into it. And and remember, now people will stay because they're like, man, what do they got in line for me? I've never had this type of training. No one ever focused on mm -hmm. this. It's helping build me. It's making me better. It's making me more confident at home. I'm going to stick around with this company, mm -hmm. right? Because they care about me as a person, not just the eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours they expect me to work for them. Yeah. So those are the type of examples that I think companies should be looking more for to make a part of their training. Yeah. I know we're coming up on time. Is there anything we haven't talked about yet that we should mention before we close? Um, I would just say, you know, we, we touched on diversity a little bit. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, diversity of talent, um, you know, is extremely important. Our customers um, are way more diverse than they've ever been. And if you have a, a leadership team that all looks the same and, and that's the panel deciding on who gets hired or who gets promoted or who gets, you really have to look at that, right? In order for us to, to be able to attract talent, Individuals are choosing companies that they can see are dedicated to, you know, diversity of all kinds. Mm -hmm. So if you're not walking the walk on your website and what you deliver and what you talk about and all these different things, it don't matter what you do in the interview. And right? and, and and also, though, behind closed doors. Absolutely. Like absolutely. no one wants to go to a website and see what they want to see and then you get into it and realize it was they'll just leave right, exactly. they, then they won't stay yeah. if you're not if you're not genuine in what you're really doing if there really is no career path you know sometimes companies do these diversity numbers mm -hmm. right that became popular over the last couple of years and and then you take a real look at it and it was all entry level positions mm -hmm. so they're they're they've gotten to double digits to diversity in their entry-level positions. But yeah. when you look at middle-level management, upper management, executives, C-suite, nothing's there. So mm -hmm. to me, that's the real proof. And don't be afraid to over-promote somebody. Don't be afraid to put somebody in a role who's just not ready. You know, that happened to me in my career a couple of times. And 
it it meant a lot because I knew that they they didn't want me to leave, but they they saw something in my energy that they wanted a part of the future. Helping, I will help plan for what that future is. Twenty years ago, we weren't communicating with cell phones, mm-hmm. with email. You know, twenty five years ago, right? That wasn't the 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 main form of communication, text messages. So this idea that you know, technology is is ramping up things so fast. Don't be afraid to 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 over promote and and but give the proper training, give the proper mm-hmm. mentors, build the person, build your talent. You don't have to just always go out and grab the talent from other companies because that pool is just getting smaller and smaller. So mm-hmm. that would be the piece that I wanted to add that I don't think we we touched on a lot, but I don't want to diminish the importance of diversity, diversity of thought. Um, in, into everything that we do when we're thinking about talent and, and bringing people to organizations. Absolutely. And for people that, you know, are not addressing unconscious bias that aren't reflecting on holding on to outdated norms or, or thoughts or beliefs, you know, you, they're exacerbating the talent gap. I mean, there's, so much room to expand diversity in HVAC service, the trades, et cetera, that if you're not really in earnest working to do that, like you are fueling your own problem. You know, if not that you should care just because it's the right thing to do. But I mean, it's literally missing an opportunity to start, you know, closing that gap um, by bringing people into the industry that historically haven't played a huge role uh, and should. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a really important part of the discussion. Like you said earlier, uh, it it could be a conversation for another day. I'd love to have you back and we could get more into it. So I love this, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I appreciate it. It was a great conversation and enjoyed having you here. Thank you for having me. All right. You can learn more by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Future of Field Service Insider, which delivers our latest content to your inbox every other week, so you can make sure you don't miss anything. We also have one more Future of Field Service live tour event this year happening in Stockholm on October 10th. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more at ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.